It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. No Josh Gregory again today. So with me in the KFG studios, my business partner and founder of Corhorn Financial Group, Kevin Corhorn. I am so excited about today's show, Mike, because our fans have been asking for a while for us to do a show about a donor-advised fund. What in the world's a donor-advised fund? Although the donor-advised fund has become better known as a tax planning strategy over the past few years, it is still an underutilized and under-understood tool. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that in. But, in. So in this episode of the Wise Money Show, we're going to cover the basics of what a donor-advised fund is and then show you how it can be part of your financial operating system to have some advanced planning strategies on how you could use it to advance your financial planning. Oh, I love it. Even the under-under. Uh, <laughs> let, let's go. Let's go. If you have a question for the program, we'd love to hear from you. You can call or text us 574 That's 574 Online, And then all over, all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. All right. So Kevin's right. Donor advised fund. I wouldn't have said it exactly like that, but he's he's right. It's 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 misunderstood and and certainly underutilized, but it is a extremely powerful tool for any of you that are charitably inclined on an ongoing basis. You've got a church that you that that you attend and you're tithing, have a cause that you care about that is a charity. And uh and so therefore, yeah, we want to spread the word. It's it's part of your financial planning to mm-hmm. consider tax planning strategies. And and this is definitely one of them. So where we're going to go in the conversation is scenarios and not just any scenario, advanced planning with the donor advised fund. My guess is you're going to find yourself in one of these scenarios and, and we're going to get into that. But Kevin, you talked it up. We talked it up. What is it? What's, what's the donor advised fund? How's it work? It, well, I, it, to describe it, Mike, I want you, I want, people to be thinking about their financial life and how they operate their financial life. So pretend I have three charities that I give money to. One's a church, one's a, 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 a school, and one's a hunger relief fund or the food pantry, what have you. Yeah. So I give that money every year. I write a check to them. And then I wait from somewhere between the end of January to the end of February to get the charitable receipt that says I actually gave that money and then I turn that in. And then the question is, well, do I get any kind of benefit for that or not? Depends on whether I have a standard deduction or whether I'm itemizing. And I think most people, they give that receipt to their tax preparer, to their CPA, mm-hmm. and just, hey, make sure this is included in my taxes. Or- if you're um, if you're doing an online tax uh, you know tax return, you're going to enter that in, and you have no clue. You have no idea. Okay, uh, I, I entered it, so I, I'm I'm getting the benefit. You have no idea. Right. No idea. So this is so that's if you called that old school, new school is doing this. So pretend I I give um, ten thousand dollars a year. I'm going to take that $10,000 and instead of distributing it to these three various charities, I'm going to put it into my donor advised fund. Once the money goes in, whatever calendar year that happens 
that event happens in, that's the year I'm going to get the deduction for the donor advised fund. So I put $10,000 in my donor advised fund. And then what I do is I make a, a grant request. So I say, okay, I want to grant money to the church, this educational institution, and the food bank. Okay, good. They take two to five days, approve the grant, send the money. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. So then what about waiting for receipts in the you know late January to February? You don't get a receipt. Your receipt is the $10,000 went into the donor advised fund. That's the part that goes on your taxes if you itemize. Mm-hmm. So what is what's what what do people like about that? One of the nice things in the olden days or let's go old school, old school in order to get the benefit for for giving money to my church. Pretend I was going to I was going to give a good chunk of money. Pretend there's a building campaign and I was going to give $50,000 to the church. But I don't want anyone to know about it. What do I do then? Well, the, in order to get the credit on my tax return, I have to write a check so that the the various treasurer, the clerk, whomever is doing the the recording can get me the receipt for that. Well, if I put that $50,000 in my donor advised fund, I can then give it from my donor advised fund anonymously. Mm-hmm. So that $50,000 shows up in my church's bank account if they've got an EFT link, which any organization that I've ever given to, if they didn't have the EFT link, I uh, send them a quick email and say, hey, can you set up the EFT link? Because it makes it much easier on your organization. And like then it, you say, I know someone anonymously who's going to donate, and they would appreciate I'm just, no, I'm just no, 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 I'm, no. But, I mean, it benefits. And you say, well, how does that benefit me? Here's how it benefits me. If I give from the donor advised fund to the charity – and I'm and I'm giving that that fifty thousand dollars. If I'm writing a check, or or if I'm going from my donor advised fund and they don't do the EFT link, Fidelity will write the check yep. to the church. It goes to the church office. Someone has to open that piece of mail. Someone has to enter that into the bookkeeping system. Someone has so there's. All of these, all, I'm going to call A lot it, of friction along the way a, to an organization you're trying to help. Right. Friction that is created unnecessarily. Yeah. And if I have, uh, uh, I have a number of missions in my life, but one of them is to reduce friction. And so that the donor advised fund as part of your financial life operating system can reduce incredible amounts of friction. Well, think about that even for you you can make a contribution to your donor advised fund very easily just transferring from one account to another or you're going to have an EFT link with your bank. with your with your bank your checking account and you make that contribution and done all right now you want to make your one-time gifts or whatever you can easily do that electronically and as opposed to setting up checks or doing it electronically yourself but you've got to set up three different and so it just it makes it very efficient and very easy i saw a stat here that uh 67 of people um were more charitable when they're using donor advised hmm. phone funds so if you listen to this and 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 say yeah i i i'm a generous person or i want to be more generous 
How can I be more generous? Setting this up, it's just easier to use, and therefore, you're likely to bless even more folks. Now, we haven't even gotten into the geeky part yet, and that is using a donor-advised fund because it's easier and because it's easier to fund and you then control, all right, you when you make the contribution, that's the year you get the tax deduction. You then have control over when those dollars get, get dispersed to what charity. You can then stack your donations. Mm-hmm. This is something that was not a big deal before the Tax Cut and Jobs Act in, in 2017, but once that came into existence and all of a sudden standard deductions doubled and then have grown from there, stacking your donations is a really big deal and can can make a lot of sense. So let's explain that. Kevin, Kevin what's on your mind? No, I, I'm just thinking of the these frequently asked questions because, again, if this is a new concept to you, you might be thinking, well, how how in the world do I even do this? I'll tell you what's on my mind. There are these community foundations that people give money to. Mm. Um, this, in in essence, it's your own community foundation. I can choose if I put a little bit of money in, I just put it into the money market account. The nice thing, so think about this as, as a business owner, we used to get money at the very end of the year, the last week of the year, um, f- for these purposes, and then we had to hustle to get that money where it goes. Mm. Well, guess what? Now all I have to do is hustle to get it into my donor advised fund. I have the credit, and then I can give that money in the following calendar year because I've already gotten the credit in the calendar year that it matches my income. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So as we get into more advanced strategies, different scenarios, that's going to be a key point. But as actually a couple other sort of basic items or details with how donor advice for advice fund works that you need to know about and, and why it um, is such a special financial planning strategy. So we're going to hit that and then get into some of these advanced strategies. We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How's a donor advised fund work? Should you be using it? Gosh, this is, I mean, we're doing this show because it's underutilized, under, misunderstood and underutilized. We're helping helping you use it and understand it that and more right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard with me in the KFG studios. Kevin Corhorn, no Josh Gregory today. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all of our social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. Kevin almost fell out of his chair right there. Dude, I am about to spontaneously combust (laughs) because I just – we were talking at the break about – what of the six areas does this donor advised fund touch? And Mike said all six, and I said five, and he said, "Oh my, you are so You're wise." You're so right. Uh, no, he 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 disagreed with me, but that's okay. Um, so here's the thing: that when you look at the six areas, you've got your present financial position. Here, how does it? How does the donor advised fund impact my present financial position? I'll tell you how. If you've got some highly appreciated stock sitting over here. But, but, but we're going to get to that. Ah. I would argue it certainly influences your cash flow. Yeah. And you, when you look at your balance sheet, both cash flow and balance sheet are pre- present financial position. When you look at your balance sheet, you might look like you're saying, mm-hmm. I've got some assets right here in this category that aren't very tax efficient. How can I get them to be more tax efficient? 
and you can see that on your present financial position. Protection planning, it would be a stretch to say this is going to influence it. For most people, probably not. It absolutely is a tax planning strategy. Absolutely. Right? And so how can you um, make a donation? We're going to hit a, a couple more specifics before we get into the planning strategies to maximize your, your deductions. I know. I know you're already thinking this. You're not giving to these organizations to get the tax benefit. However, these are organizations that you care about and support and being a good steward. If there are tax benefits to receive, then that's an act of stewardship, in my opinion. And and at the end of the day, you'll have more money to give to these organizations exactly. that you care about. Investment planning, that's, that's one thing we didn't even hit as we were explaining the donor advice funds. So we'll share that in just a second. Your retirement plan, absolutely. Um, what dollars uh, and throughout retirement are you going to be donating to charity? Should those dollars be funneled through a donor advice fund first? Estate planning, share that. Well, there's a number of ways that this could impact my estate plan. Which one are you thinking of? Well, it remove. I mean, when you people ask with the donor advice fund, do I have control of the money? And the answer is, for the most part, yeah. Well, it's no, an irrevocable no, gift. No, you absolutely have control of the money. You don't have control over. Can I take this money that I got a charitable deduction for, and if I said charity starts at home, I'm going to give some money to my children? No, you can't give the money to your kids. Right now, you, you can't. Once you put the money in, you can't pull it back out and say, "Nah, I didn't mean to do that. I, give me the money back." No, it's an irrevocable gift. Just like if you gave the don't made the donation to the church. Right. <laughs> you can't say, no, no, I didn't mean to do that. Give me that money back. Um, and so so and therefore this this these assets that you have influence over control. But I would say with a little C, um, they're not in your estate anymore. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have influence over these dollars. But if you pass away and the estate tax laws change or whatever, you, they're not in your estate any longer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So th- but it is it, whether you give the direction to these dollars and where they go or your children do or their children do, these dollars eventually, when this account gets depleted, all of those dollars in the end will have gone to a charity. Yep. Okay. So one of the things we talked about how the donor advice fund works, and I'm itching to get to the strategies. We will just a second, but I want to make this connection. You make, you set up your donor advice fund, Fidelity Charitable, you know, Schwab, whatever you're doing, okay? You set that up and you contribute money into it. You transfer money into it. You write a check, you EFT, you put money into it. And when you do, that's the year that you get the deduction on your tax return. And then, you know, you'll receive that deduction whether you itemize or not, okay? Like, or depending on if you itemize, which we'll get into that here in just a second. But then once it's there, you could then immediately, once it lands, sit in the money market and then distribute it to the church or distribute it to the feed the feed the hungry or whatever. Or if you've want it to if you're not sure how much or when you want to give the dollars, you actually can have those dollars invested. Mm-hmm. And that one also you have control, but with a little C. You can't say, you know what? Put it all in NVIDIA. And if it goes to zero, who cares? No, you're limited a little bit in what your investment choices are, similar to a 529 plan or even your 401k. You're limited, but you can choose to invest it. Okay. And then, yes, you can choose at a later date to distribute the money to uh, charity or immediately or whatever. So 
that's a little bit more of how the donor advised fund works. Lastly, why has it become more popular? Well, if you're making, if you're tithing to the church and giving 10% every single year and you make, you know, your household makes 150 grand, that's $15,000 of total charitable contributions. If you don't pay a lot of state tax or you don't pay a lot of mortgage interest, you're not going to itemize. You're not going to itemize because they increase the itemized deductions. Back when the or they increased standard deduction. Back when the standard deduction was 12 grand and you donated 15,000 to the church and you paid state tax and you had a little mortgage interest, yeah, you were getting a benefit from that. You were itemizing, this was helping you. Not these days. And you might say, well, I'll give enough into my, you know, to my church where I'll at least be able to itemize. Instead of getting a $27,000 uh, standard deduction, I'll get a $30,000 um, itemized deduction. Well, then how much did that really big gift benefit you? I gave an extra, you know, an extra 10 grand so I could itemize. Yeah, but it only benefited you by increasing your deduction by three grand. So therefore, this donor advised fund is becoming more popular because you can stack gifts. You could, and it's not for everyone, but you could say, you know what? I want to give to the church or give to these organizations once a year, because what if leadership changes? What if the mission changes? What if I, I don't mm -hmm. want to give all the money up front, but I want the deduction all up front mm -hmm. so that I get the maximum itemized deduction benefit. Mm -hmm. You can do that and, and stuff a bunch of money, five years worth of contributions, 10 years worth, whatever of, of donations into your donor advised one in one year. So that now all of a sudden you itemize and it's juiced. Right. It's big. And then the next several years, as you make those donations, as you distribute the money to the charity, you get your standard deduction. This stacking donation, something we talked about, how oh, cash back in 2017 when they first changed the laws, the donor advised funds, how you do it. Absolutely. And it, a lot of times you might say, I'm stacking donations, so I'm, I'm getting the credit today for future contributions that I intend to make but I wouldn't get any kind of tax benefit. Again, that that helps your balance sheet and gives you more money to give to these charities in the future if that's your choice. So there's strategy number one, and it ties right into that, okay? Um, sorry for the long-winded explanation. It needed to get that out, so we're all on the same page here. So here's strategy number one. You're reaching the end of your career, and at the end of your career, you're making more money than you did at the beginning of your career. So you're in a higher tax bracket and maybe right at the end of the year, not only are you making more money, but you're also getting maybe a big bonus or something like that for the contribution that you've made or, or something like that. You're getting vacation payout. So all of a sudden your last year, or your last couple of years of work, you're actually even getting, having higher income, higher tax bracket. And then as soon as you retire, it's going to be, you know, a much lower tax bracket. Well, you've got more resources and in a higher tax bracket, consider bunching those contributions, stacking those donations, and in those that maybe that last year of work when your income's really high, making a donation into your donor advised fund in that year so that you itemize in that year while your income's really high, and then you can transfer or distribute those funds to the charity over those next couple of years. Yeah, that that is exactly how I would do it. Yeah, so the idea, the reason why I'm saying a couple is, you know, if you retire in March, well, you don't have a full year's worth of salary. Mm -hmm. 
right? So, but you might have a really high income the year before, or maybe if you're retiring in November, then uh, th- then this may make sense. Well, and really, it's the I'm retiring in March, and there, it's a buyout, and so I've I've got three months worth of income plus my vacation pay plus 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 a year's worth of severance. So I've got an right. artificially high income year. So, and you might say, well, we're going to give to the church five grand a year. Well, if you give to the church five grand a year, you'll never itemize your deduction. You've got resources in that one year as well as high income. So give 20 grand or give 25 grand to your donor advised fund. Now you're going to itemize and then you can still distribute that five grand to the church each year. Mm-hmm. What are some additional tax planning strategies, advanced planning with the donor advised fund? That more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Do you have investments that maybe you inherited or received as a gift where if you sell them, when you sell them, you're going to have to pay a lot of tax, a lot of capital gains? Should you consider those those assets for a different purpose? We're helping with that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen, go search the Wise Money Show. Subscribe to it there. Follow us there. And rate the program. We we appreciate that. And very easy to share episodes that way as well. So check us out on podcast. We're talking about the donor advised fund. This is a a man. It's gotten a little bit more press recently since the since the tax cut and job act, and we just explained why. But it's very much underutilized. And Kevin, you've had a couple of cases, worked with a, a few clients, and then a couple of groups where you've taught the donor advised fund and and I can just tell your excitement level around it because again it can help way more people than are actually receiving help from it right now because they're not using it right and I what I love is I I love a scenario where there's something new or newer that allows you to do stuff that you're like well yeah that's what I wanted to do all along so if we're talking about highly appreciated stock and you say old school new school Old school was I have Apple shares that I have uh, very little uh, basis in. So if I sold it, I'm going to pay capital gains on that. So if I sold it and gave that money to the church, I'm paying taxes on those capital gains. And and you might say, well, it's worth it because when I'm you know selling twenty grand of Apple stock that I only paid five grand for, I'll be able to get the deduction on the twenty grand. So it's worth it because I will sell that much and, and so on. So that's old school. That's why I'm doing it. Right. And old school was also, I'm going to call my financial advisor, have them do a, a direct contribution of you know a certain number of shares to the church. What has to happen is the church has to have a notification. They have to have the processes in place that they're notified, hey, this money showed up. And we sold Apple before it went down 7% in five days. or uh, Not that that happens. but And so you look at this and you're like, okay, well, there are all these potential failure points with the old way of doing it. Plus, what has to happen is there has to be a letter created that says on this date, the, the Apple opened at this price and closed at this price, and it was given to the church, and, the, and you have to figure out all this stuff. Well, in the new world... The new world, I just take those $20,000 from my joint brokerage account that I have with my wife, and I move those shares of Apple stock into 
the donor advised fund. I sell them immediately, and I leave that money in cash. Mm-hmm. Unless I, if for some reason I, but if I want to make that contribution, now as soon as the those shares of stock went into the donor advised fund, that's when I get the deduction. Yep. So in whatever calendar year that's in, that's what it's going to count for on the market value. So on the twenty grand, right? Even though, even if you only paid five grand, you invested five grand, it's now worth twenty. You get that same benefit. Mm-hmm. Of well, I get the deduction. My charitable deduction is based on the market value at the time I made the gift. Yes, that's that's how that works. The church doesn't need to open up a, a brokerage account. Nope. Kevin, when I started, I interned here, and I remember during my internship and then early in my career, having to chase down, yeah. find someone at a church because one of the clients or you or someone wanted to make a mutual fund gift or a stock gift to a church and trying to call the church mm-hmm. during normal hours, mm-hmm. get to someone, then get to someone that could help and then say, hey, we've got this awful long process of opening up all these accounts and or, or signing all these forms to open up an account mm-hmm. so that this one person can give you um, some stock. And oftentimes the church says, oh, it's this is a gift. We'll do it. Mm-hmm. I did get some dead ends, though. And mm-hmm. I always felt like a failure because I'm like, oh, I'm, we're trying to do this, but but it's it's complicated. It you, is. You it, remove that complexity. Yeah, you you make it simple, and you make it so that the church again, if we if we've got an EFT set up to the church, the church doesn't gets the money in their bank account. It's done. It's not. It goes into a brokerage account, has to get sold, and then get that money over to our bank account. It is boom. It's sold. And I can remain anonymous because mm-hmm. if I want to give a big chunk of money and I don't want anyone to know, I I move my Apple stock into my donor advised fund. I sell it and I give it directly. It really it, it the the new improved version of gifting highly appreciated stock is so superior. Yeah. So that's sort of a second advanced strategy that. If you have assets, now we're talking about the Apple stock or or whatever, but I've seen this a lot. If you say, well, I don't know, I'm not that sophisticated. Well, are all of your retirement assets in tax-sheltered accounts? Are all of them in 401ks or, or IRAs, Roth IRAs? And for many of you that might say, yeah, yeah, that's how it is. But for a lot of people, it's, oh, yeah, I... I put five grand or 10 grand in this joint account a long time ago. And I didn't really know about the Roth IRA or it was a gift from someone or I I wanted more flexibility with when we'd use it. And yeah, I put five or 10 grand in this thing. It's worth 30 grand now. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. That's mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Because at some point, you're going to have to use that money. You're going to want to use that money. And that money, when you sell those shares, you're going to have to pay capital gains. Right. That income is going to land on your tax return, could have other consequences as well. But if you're also, and this is the connecting the seemingly disconnected parts of your financial life, if you say, well, I'm not even thinking about that because I make my donation to the church automatically every single week on Sunday, it's EFT pull directly from my bank account. Yeah. Well, what if you change that temporarily and you donated these appreciated mutual funds. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, 
okay, I could do that. So uh, what, one and a half shares every single week to the church? No. And then that church has to have that brokerage account. No, donate them to your donor advised fund, sell them immediately there, and then donate every single week to the church from there. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So, but what just happened there, Mike, what just happened is let's use the $20,000 example. And I'm, we're talking about Apple stock and I say, well, Hey, I'm making the contribution to the church out of my current cash flow, and I'm contributing 20 grand a year. You say, Hey, use your Apple stock, put that in your donor advised fund. Okay. Well, what just happened? Now you freed up 20 grand a year in cash flow. I freed up 20 grand a year in cash flow. You can buy more Starbucks. You can go out to eat. No, I'm just kidding. No, you can, <laughs> now you've got cash flow where if you, ah, but I really liked my Apple stock. Why are these guys talking about this? Because I'm never selling it. Well, then buy it back. Buy it back. And what, but what just happened to my basis? I had low or no basis Apple stock that I contributed to my donor advised fund and, and I freed up 20 grand of cash flow. I take that 20 grand, buy Apple stock, I just adjusted my cost basis. You own the same number of shares, but now at a higher cost basis, which if Josh was here, he would probably, you know, say that's that's jargon. So cost basis is well, how much um, between that amount and the current market value, how much growth is there? And that's gonna be, you know, whether your your capital gain, you're subject to capital gain or whether you have a capital loss. Because you donated when your cost base was very low, meaning you had a lot of embedded capital gain, and then you used that cash flow that otherwise would have gone to the church, mm-hmm. that is no longer needed to go to the church, can go back into the Apple stock. Now you're buying up. You're increasing your cost basis. Fabulous, fabulous strategy. Yeah. So, And like I said, we're talking about Apple stock. Works with regular mutual funds. Um, works with this works great if you received a gift from a family member. Oftentimes people don't understand these rules, the the um mm, step up the step up in cost basis and they think I'm getting older, I don't need this money. I want to see it bless my kids or bless my grandkids or I want to have control over it and I don't want to have to sell these dollars for nursing home expenses or whatever and and they will gift assets instead of letting them just pass when they uh, when they pass along when they pass away. When you gift money, you gift your cost basis. Mm-hmm. And now you may have received some assets from you know mom or dad or maybe mom and dad received them from their parents and now you've received them gifted on where you've got no cost basis mm-hmm. and therefore using those dollars to contribute into the donor advice fund, get that tax benefit in day one and avoid all of the tax consequence capital gains. We've got a few other advanced strategies using the donor advised fund. We've got that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here, friends. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard here with me in the KFC studios, Kevin Corhorn, no Josh Gregory today. Uh, all every episode of the Wise Money Show, as well as a lot of other content, is on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there, and turn on notifications because it's not just every talk show that airs on that channel. 
There are five videos every single week. So every business day, we drop new content there, explaining one financial concept, applying it directly to your financial life. Hey, during high inflation, how should you structure your investments? Hey, if inflation is actually coming down and you believe it, how should you structure your investments? How do you, what are the most confusing parts of retiring and, and how can you demystify those? All that and a lot more, well over a thousand videos. Go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show and follow us there. Okay, we're talking about the Donor Advised Fund and how this underappreciated, underused tool can be a significant benefit in your overall financial plan. Five out of the six areas of your financial life directly impacted and benefited by using the Donor Advised Fund. Is it for everyone? No. But if it's for you, are you using it and using it to the maximum potential? That's why you need your CFP. Your CFP is going to help give you clarity and confidence, but also bring creativity to your financial life. All right, so we've been sharing the use cases of the Donor Advised Fund through different advanced planning strategies, different scenarios. Uh, we talked about um, in your final years of your career, when your income's the highest, stacking your donations in one year. So uh, the first five years of retirement or, or 10 years of retirement, we'll probably give five grand to the church every single year or something like that. Well, in those high income years, those final few years of, of work, could you make five years of contribution, four years of contribution, three years of contribution, whatever it is that to the church, but instead of doing it all to the church, do it to your donor advised fund and then make that annual or monthly or weekly donation out of your donor advised fund to the church. That way you get that tax benefit right up front. Then we've talked about um, donating highly appreciated assets as well. Next strategy, and this isn't everyone, but if you own a business, or if you own a rental property, when you sell that, typically it's gonna be a pretty, you know, significant taxable event. Mm -hmm. And in that year, you're gonna have a spike in income because capital gain or, um, or, or depreciation recapture or whatever it is, when you sell a business or, uh, or rental property, something like that, and have a, a, a painful tax year, consider using some of those proceeds from that asset that, and I don't want to say windfall because you might say, no, I've been stewarding these dollars for a long time. It's not this, it's not a windfall. Yeah. But now all of a sudden that money's in motion. It was illiquid in your business or in this property. And by selling it, it's become liquid. Well, should you stack contributions, make a large donation in that one year commensurate to these new dollars that are, that are liquid? Yeah, and the the idea is you're you're matching your contribution and the tax benefit of making that contribution with the income. So a, a, an income year where, and I had a, a I had a client. This is the situation. He was uh, an owner, uh, you know, a one and a half percent owner of a business, and so when the business sold, he his portion was five million dollars. That ran through his W-2. Mm. So now he's got huge W. That wasn't capital gains. That's W-2 ordinary income wages. And so he said, well, listen, I want to give 10% of that, but I don't want to give it all this year. So we took 500000 and put it in a donor advised fund. Now, what we did with that in this scenario, we invested a good portion of that. Because he said, look, I'm going to gift that money over my lifetime. So we put that big chunk in there and let it roll. 
Mm-hmm. So that's that's a strategy where he's matching the tax benefit of the contribution with the increased, meaningfully increased income. So that's a the sale of a business. You say, well, why would there be such a tax situation if I sold a rental? Well, when you sell a rental, you've got to um, you've got depreciation recapture, and so you have to recapture all the depreciation you've taken and you in in here it's even more painful or the depreciation that you should have taken yeah ouch so yeah and we've seen that situation where someone said well i didn't want to take depreciation on my rental the government doesn't care they say you should have taken this therefore you're going to recapture it and pay taxes on it. Now, if you're listening to this and saying, wait a second, nope, this is income that I now earned in, yes, in this one year, and that makes it, you know, tax painful, but I, I need to tithe on that. Then absolutely. Then make that make that tithe directly to the church. I, we're, we're not arguing against that. Absolutely not. It's the scenario, I'm glad you brought it up, Kevin, where, where you're looking at that and saying, well, I'm going to do my tithe on that, but then I want to give a little bit more, and uh, and I don't want to release all those dollars immediately. Yeah, great. That's a time when you're aligning, you're 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 matching this high income year with a a outsized tax deduction. Now that leads us to the fourth strategy, and that is, well, what if early in retirement or at some point uh, late in your career or, or whatever, you're looking at your overall financial plan and and retirement picture with your uh, certified financial planner and you've got tax diversification so you've got assets in different buckets and we've done this a lot right about the time someone inherits money or has some other cash that's liquid and you look and say you know what there's not as much tax diversification here as we'd like it would really be a benefit for you to convert from pre-tax into your Roth IRA a large chunk of dollars you're young that will give you more flexibility, should help reduce your RMD out there in the future, reduce how much tax you're going to pay on your Social Security. There's a lot of reasons to do this. The problem is when we do the Roth conversion, it's going to be taxable in that year. Mm-hmm. Well, now what just happened is now I've I've got a, a high taxable year. And if you've got other resources, consider doing a donor advised fund contribution in that year to match this outsized income that you're gonna have via this Roth conversion. So in that situation, you might say, well, I'm gonna realize a lot of income in this one year. How can I make five years of charitable contributions all in one year without dispersing that money to that end organization? Well, once again, like we've been saying, donate that into the donor advised fund. Not gonna work for everyone because while the Roth conversion may make sense for a lot of people, the Roth conversions coupled with well, I've got a, a bunch of other liquid cash mm-hmm. that I could donate to the donor advised fund. Well, that's going to weed out weed out a lot of people. Not mm-hmm. as many people have both of those. But if it if if that's your situation, you got to consider it. Absolutely. Yeah. And some people say, well, look, you should if you're doing if it's if if it's a tithe and you're supposed to bring your first fruits to the storehouse, then just give the money. Well, look, it's right now. If it's the middle of the year and you get this windfall, you might not know exactly where you want all that first fruit to go. And so this is where you buy yourself some some flexibility and some freedom. And if you don't get it all done within the next six months, you're, it doesn't matter. You've matched your, uh, your tax benefit with your income. Yeah. So 
hopefully this discussion has helped you understand a little bit more about the um, the donor advised fund. A lot of these companies, it used to be, well, this became popular during the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. And if you wanted to use it, well, you needed 50 grand or you need $200,000 to open this account. They've brought those minimums way down so that it's more available to the middle class and to the regular folks. Yeah, it, it is. Again, when you think operating system, how do I want to operate my life? This technology has made it. And so I personally, I use the Fidelity Charitable uh, Donor Advised Fund. But it, like as Mike said, a, a number of these organizations, your financial advisor, whatever custodian your financial advisor works, likely has a donor advised fund. Yep. So you want to work with one that's got great technology and that a lot of charities would be connected with. Yeah. So, so there you go. Are you using a donor advised fund? Does it make sense in your overall financial life? It's not for everyone, but you, if you're working with an investment advisor only, who only wants to talk about, well, this mix and, and should you increase your, uh, your exposure to international stocks or whatever, they're not gonna bring this strategy up to you. It, or, or if they say, uh, I don't know, consult your tax advisor. Yeah then come talk to us. Yeah, you're not working with the CFP. You're not working with one that does comprehensive financial planning. And that's the approach that you need to have so that you can capture these sorts of strategies, pay the least amount of tax over your lifetime, work with your certified financial planner on that. All right, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, myself, all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Seeing how this is um, the second episode of season nine, I'm wondering how many of the six areas of financial planning does the donor advised strategy touch? I don't even need to think about it. And I'm going to say six. Wow. I came up with five. You're wrong. <laughs> Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.